Here on Swings and Mishes, we only bring you the very best content with the Miami Marlins and Major League Baseball. And if you want to get yourself into a very good car, what you need to do is make sure you head on over to Happy Car Sales, 203 West State Road 84 in Fort Lauderdale. And the phone number is 954-800-2449. I have been buying cars personally from Louie, the owner, for more than a decade. And he wants me to let you know that whether or not you have good credit, bad credit, or no credit whatsoever, it simply doesn't matter. He's got his full inventory online at happycarsflorida.com, and all of the financing is done in-house. Again, it is happycarsflorida.com, 203 West State Road 84 in Fort Lauderdale, and Louie's phone number is 954-800-2449. If the car that you want is not in his inventory, he will get it for you. HappyCarsFlorida.com, 954-800-2449. Hello and welcome back to a World Series edition of Swings and Mishes. I am your producer, Jeremy Taché, joined by the man with the most information in South Florida. It's Craig Mish. Craig, your thoughts on the Washington Nationals winning the World Series? Yeah, as you said, I uh, always have the most information. And like I said, right before the series would start, that Washington would go to Houston and win the first two games. (laughs) And then Houston would go to Washington and win the next three. And then they would go back to Houston and Washington would win game six. I said it. Yeah, of course. And then Houston would be up at game six and seven. And then Washington, like I said, would come back and they would win. Uh, That really typifies how little people know about making predictions in sports sometimes. And I think that that's what makes sports great. Mm -hmm. Uh, The nationals don't get here. People seem to forget because it happened. It feels like so long ago by arguably beating one of, if not the best left left left-handed relievers in the game and Josh Hader and Milwaukee, they were down to having to beat Hader in a wild card situation to have to advance to the next round. And to me, I know that wasn't the biggest part of winning the World Series, but it has to be mentioned just because I don't think that anybody thought Washington would win that game either. Right. So credit to them for sure for having this knack. I guess that's what it is because I don't know that there's necessarily a skill set of coming back and winning games after the sixth inning when you're down, but Washington just seems to do that. And teams do that on their way to World Series championships. And I know that there's going to be this false narrative that A.J. Hinge made all these mistakes. Look, should Garrett Cole have pitched in the game? Yeah, probably, yes. Mm. Um, I would have liked to see him for sure. But in the end, I, I am of the idea and narrative that I'm giving credit to the Nationals. Oh, yeah. From June on for being baseball's best team, for coming back, never quitting, having Anthony Rendon and Steven Strasburg come up in the biggest spots, Howie Kendrick come up in, in some very big spots as well. I'm just very impressed with the way that they've done it. Yeah, it, it was an unbelievable uh, run by the Nationals. Even Juan Soto, right, who who's another guy who stepped up and as great of a season as he had as a young 20-year-old uh, to do what he was doing at 20 and 21 years old in this World Series was really incredible. And like you mentioned, you know, Steven Strasburg, the guy who has sort of been the face of the Nationals, you know, it was along with Bryce Harper for a while there, but as the the nationals have been a part of this and 
And it was, it was fitting that Ryan Zimmerman hit the first home run of the series for the Nationals. You know, a guy who's been there since the very beginning, their very first draft pick. So to see the way the Nationals built it and went on this unbelievable run, and you're right, you have to give them credit as it's not just the Astros. Like you said, Josh Hader, you had, you know, giving up runs to, to lose a game against the Nationals. Clayton Kershaw. Right back in the yeah. Dodgers series. I mean, we were talking about that game as an unbelievable game, and now, you know, to be able to come back the way that they did against the Astros when when Granky was looking unhittable last night was truly one of the more impressive things I've seen from a team in a World Series. Yeah, and being able to cover these teams in spring training like I always do with the ballpark of the Palm Beaches, I can only imagine what that's going to feel like, especially for Houston having to walk into that park and and see uh, i know that that washington that houston has had a 2017 world series championship painting mm. on the side of their office building that you could see from the ballpark uh being inside it we'll see what washington counters yeah. with that their offices are not exactly in the same area uh but either way congratulations to washington congratulations to all of the uh, folks involved in that organization mike rizzo did a fantastic job putting that team together pushing all the right buttons making all the right moves it's been mentioned several times. There's a lot of Marlins ties to this, certainly. Uh, but the two that I mentioned last night, and I'll mention here again on the podcast that I, that I feel the best for, that I have more of a personal connection for, is, of course, the former manager of the Marlins, Jack McKeon, who took a special assistant job this offseason, or I believe two offseasons ago maybe, with the uh, Washington Nationals. And then, of course, uh, Dan Jennings, who uh, put right. himself back in a position to be with a very well-respected man in Mike Rizzo and being in an organization. I know that Dan would like to get back into the big chair and become a general manager again. I certainly hope that that uh, will end up happening. We'll see if we can reach out to him and have him uh, come back on the podcast to talk about what went on with the Nationals this season. Uh, two great guys with some fantastic stories, and I'm really, really happy that uh, those guys were able to, Jeremy, pick up a, another World mm -hmm. Series ring for both those guys. So pretty cool. Yeah, pretty cool. yeah, it's absolutely incredible. And as you said, Dan Jennings was on this podcast a few months ago and told some really incredible stories about the Marlins. So if you do want to hear from, uh, I guess, now a multiple time World Series champion and Dan Jennings, you can listen here on our feed uh, of Swings and Mishes. And, and, and that's a nice little transition um, away from the World Series and now over to the team that you're all listening for, the Miami Marlins. Um, a team that hopefully will be in this position within the next few years, huh, Craig? Uh, but yeah, hopefully, yeah, hopefully we can, we can get there and, and having that conversation. Um, but for the time being, you know, we're approaching, uh, now the off season. Here's where we are. We're, we're officially in the off season of major league baseball. Um, it's not just the Marlins off season. Now it's everybody's off season. Um, right. and, and the Marlins are making some coaching moves, continuing to make some coaching moves. Um, so what have you heard as, as, in terms of what the Marlins are going to be doing going forward in terms of sort of switching things around. Um, we saw a couple of hires in the last couple of weeks that we've spoken about here. Yeah. So at this point, and I, I think that what you're going to start to see over the next few days is the floodgates will open around baseball with announcements because major league baseball prefers, and I think even mandates teams to not make any hiring announcements uh, from the team. And, of course, these things get leaked and by me and everyone else. <laughs> and, you, and you see these come out in the off days. And, and I think now that the World Series is over, you're going to see that start to happen. What we saw, Jeremy, on Thursday, for those of you listening to the podcast, is the Royals named Mike Matheny their manager. Mm -hmm. And you're going to start to see uh, the Giants, I think, pretty soon name their skipper as well. Of course, the Mets have an open position. And in terms of the Marlins, what we know that they've done so far – 
is uh, they have ponied up and extended Mel Stoudemire Jr. to a two-year contract, and so he will be around for the next couple of years. We know Don Mattingly is also uh, you know, back as well to become the skipper of the team. And then the other big uh, signing or big ad for Miami is, uh, happened last week is they added a new bench coach and with the quotes of offensive coordinator of James right. Rousen, who comes over from the Minnesota Twins, and of course Derek Shelton, Another uh, person involved in the organization is very well high thought of and up for some jobs as well. But Jay Rowe, as they call him, and Don Mattingly is no uh, stranger to giving out these nicknames. So yeah, we'll Rowe. see what he gives up. He, I mean, Mattingly has to give a nickname to everybody, and, and some of them, by the way, are horrible. I don't know where <laughs> – no, no offense, Donnie, but, I mean, my gosh, these nicknames that he gives out to these guys, I don't know. I mean, everyone has to have an I-E or an a Y. At the well, end considering of their he has one of the best nicknames in, in sports, in Donnie baseball. I mean, right? It's unbelievable, but he just basically takes somebody's name yeah. and adds an I-E or a Y to the end of it. I yeah. mean, all, the, all this time, I mean, does everybody have to have that? But I, I, I digress. Uh, James <laughs> Rousen, the Marlins targeted him. They had to get permission to add him, as I talked about last week on, uh, on social media, on Twitter. We didn't have a podcast. And so they're looking to launch more. They're looking to hit more home runs. They're looking to get more on base like the rest of Major League Baseball. So this is a very significant ad. There are some people that have intimated as well on social media that there's a chance that he becomes the next manager of the Marlins. I think we've gone down this road with like three or four names at this point. So I'm not ready to say that because we heard that name on Posada. We heard that name on Trey Hillman. We've, we've heard that name on Mike Lowell, different people. Let's just let this play out and see over the next couple of years. If I get that intimation, of course I will. I will pass that along, but I'm not prepared to go there yet. They just gave Mattingly a two-year contract extension. Mm. So uh, Rousen is an interesting name. Next week, from what I understand, we'll get to know him. And I believe that they'll, they'll uh, open up the, uh, you know, the media part of it. We'll you know, have press conference where they'll be introduced. We'll get to know a little bit more about some of the players and coaches uh, that are involved in this. The other thing that we're still kind of waiting on at this point is the uh, – is the new uh, first base coach. So, oh, and the reason why I say that is because it's my belief that Trey Hillman is moving from first to third. Mm. And the reason why I could tell you that is because the Marlins are interviewing candidates for first base. There you go. And I haven't, I haven't heard anything about third base. So, <laughs> so my, I'm kind of piecing the puzzle together and, and it's going to be a, uh, from what I understand, a new first base slash like outfield coach. Cause Freddie mm. Gonzalez was the third base slash, outfielders coach mm. and so that's the kind of at least person that they're looking to bring in I know that they've talked to people outside of the organization I know that they've also talked to people inside of the organization and what's really interesting about some of what the Marlins have done and I think it applies to not just the people who they've hired but the people who they've spoken to too is uh, is a name that I think that some people have become familiar with, a special assistant in the uh, in the organization that was brought in over from the Boston Red Sox, is Adrian Lorenzo, who mm. appears to be, at the very least, the point man on a lot of these hires. And so the hiring is obviously done by Derek Jeter, the Marlins CEO. Gary Denbo is heavily involved. And without question, Marlins president Michael Hill uh, are at the forefront, Brian Chatton. I mean, the, these are the the pieces of the puzzle of the Marlins who are making these decisions. But the name Adrian Lorenzo is someone that I think that we're going to need to keep an eye on because he's being trusted with a lot of responsibility for this club. He's also can take direct responsibility for a lot of the international signings that the Marlins have had, which would include the kids from the Bahamas and Harold Ramirez. And so as we start talking about future general managers in baseball, and as we start talking about future executives in baseball, I think that uh, this is a name 
that we're going to see potentially as a general manager one day somewhere, maybe with the Marlins, maybe somewhere else. But uh, I want to make people more aware of his role and what he means to the organization, because from what I'm gathering and understanding is that he is uh, heavily involved in the hiring process for some of these uh, people as well. So uh, just wanted to kind of take you behind the curtain a little bit there. Don't have any names for who the Marlins first base coach may be, but I think next week we'll have the full answer to that. You know, it's interesting to get a little peek behind the curtain there. You know, we've talked about uh, the player development and hearing about Denbo and sort of what some of the other players behind the scenes there. We've heard DJ Spillick's name in terms of the draft, but it's interesting to hear another name here in Adrian Lorenzo that is involved in sort of working the organization around and trying to piece everything together. So that's the type of behind the scenes stuff you get here on Swings and Mishes from Chris. It only took me two weeks to get there. <laughs> but it, it, is, it is interesting. I try to give as much as I can. Sometimes there's yeah. a lot of news and sometimes there isn't. But look, we are dedicated to doing this podcast in the off season and we continue doing it with as much as we possibly can. The good news is I think that come next week, when the announcements come, and I, and I think it'll be a midweek next week, mm. uh, the Marlins will have the full staff announcement. I think at that point, it'll be interesting because we will certainly want to speak to either one of the new coaches or how this was put together and get a uh, better understanding how the team plans on using these coaches uh, essentially as vehicles in, in development and to try and win more games next year. Right. So uh, financially, I know that there was a big commitment made to Rousen to bring him here over from Minnesota. Mm -hmm. I also know that there was a pretty significant commitment to Mel Stottlemyre Jr. as well. So uh, and, and my guess is Trey Hillman moving from first base to third base would get a bump in pay. It's my understanding that the third base coach in Major League Baseball yeah. usually gets paid more money because he's more responsible for the runs being scored from third to the home. I didn't actually know that. I had to ask that. I was told hmm. that last week. So uh so uh, first base coach, we're still kind of waiting to see what's going to happen there. And, and by next week, we'll have that answer. But that Rousen and Stottlemyer combination sure looks good. And, and, and you mentioned we're getting to the, uh, the thick of the offseason for the Marlins uh, as this is starting. And so the conversation at the beginning of every offseason at this point, the home run sculpture and what's going on with the home run sculpture uh, that has been around Marlins Park for uh, as long as Marlins Park has existed. So have you heard any recent news, Craig, about the home I have. sculpture and its whereabouts? It's funny that you would ask that, Jeremy. <laughs> as if I'd, we didn't prepare to do this podcast, you're just randomly asking me about the home run sculpture. Uh, if you drive over to Marlins Park right now, you can see it. It's going up, and the initial stages of it are being built from bottom to top. By the end of 2019, that thing is going to be back up and hypothetically fully functional. We know how construction goes. Things are said and then they drag. Mm -hmm. But at the very least, by the time that we get to opening day of 2020, uh, Home Run Sculpture going to be back up right outside Marlins Park. My guess is around holiday time when you're driving around looking at lights, Christmas lights, uh -huh. celebrate Hanukkah, you can go there too. You'll be able to see uh, the Home Run Sculptures uh, back up again. But again, outside of Marlins Park and very visible from what I understand in the outfield. So I'm sure after saying this, somebody randomly will go take a picture and post it. And please have at that. Enjoy that. But that's, that's kind of what's happening there. Small piece to a big puzzle, of course, and not really meaningful as far as the on-field is concerned. But I, we do get a lot of questions about what happened to that thing. And it is going back up. To, it's it's a holiday miracle, truly, to have that home run sculpture it's going a back. It's a blessing. It's a blessing. 
Hashtag blessed. Uh, and as the Marlins, uh, as we do get into the offseason, questions beyond the home run sculpture, we're moving into the you know wintertime here. We're moving into free agency. And wh- what do you think the Marlins approach will and should be as we move toward free agency here uh, in this offseason headed into 2020? That's a question that I don't think that even the Marlins fully know the answer to because free agency will dictate that. And there are some players that can exercise opt-outs in their contract that the Marlins won't pursue, like Steven Strasburg and J.D. Martinez. We'll still have to kind of wait and see how that shakes up the entire free agency in the offseason. I don't think that Miami is giving out contracts of 40 or $50 million, let's say, to anybody this offseason. I don't see that happening. Uh, what I do see happening is financially, I think that what Miami will do is I think that they will commit, let's say, you know, somewhere in the 8 to $10 million range, maybe on a one- or two-year deal with a bullpen arm. Hmm. Uh, not, not somebody who's getting a Mark Melanson, Kenley Jansen, Craig Kimbrell-type deal, but I think someone that comes in perhaps that can pitch the seventh, pitch the eighth, maybe even pitch the ninth, a multiple-inning-type guy, who uh, potentially even could have his contract backloaded but guaranteed to you know for two years with the team, and then they could look at it in July and and potentially move that player for somebody else or or keep that player. That dynamic is always difficult because relievers and signing bullpen arms is volatile, but I've more or less been given assurances that that will be an upgrade for Miami in the offseason, and money will be spent toward that. I'm not in favor ever of giving out a Kenley Jansen type contract to a closer or a Mark Melanson type contract to a closer and even a shorter term deal to a closer. I think it is the most foolish thing that you can do in baseball, but Miami is so thin in that pen. Like ridiculously thin in that pen because going into 2020, as of this moment, you would look and say Ryan Stanek will be there. You would look and probably say that Harlan Garcia has got a pretty good shot to be there. And any other name that you throw at me, you are guessing. Okay. Right. Like that, that you're, you're not guaranteeing that with anyone. And, and look, they've had some talented arms that, uh, back there. Brigham pitched well in spots. Kidley has pitched well in spots. Jose Arena is no longer an option at all for the bullpen. He'll be a starter next year. So you can put that in pen, uh, write it down, take a picture. Yeah. He's not. He's done with the bullpen. Uh, Jose Durania is a starter, mm. whether he's with the Marlins or someone else. And to, well, actually, he could be a bullpen with somebody else. But with the Marlins, sure. if he returns sure. to the Marlins, he's a starter, and that's it. He's not in the bullpen. That's the, the failed experiment. So that is one uh, area of attack. A one-year starting pitching mercenary type could be an attack. But I think that the way, potentially, the Marlins may view the offense because of the lack of of offense that there is right in free agency may be via trade. Hmm. So we may have to start digging in to some players that could be on some teams that could go the way of the Marlins or the way of the Tigers or the way of the Orioles players that have a year or two left on their deal that could be stop gap type options, but significant offensive upgrades that would require obviously the Marlins to deep uh, to dig into the farm system and use one of these assets or one of these kids that they've had that they've acquired or developed to trade to get back one of those players. Like we saw with Valamont, who was traded for Lewin Diaz. Mm. I don't, you know, that was a nice young starting pitcher, but they had to do it in order to get some offense. We saw what they did with Zach Allen in order to get Jazz Chisholm. 
I think that that's a possibility, and that's something that I'm going to start having to explore both with the Marlins and some other teams as well and dive into some potential targets of players who are out there. I've mentioned David Peralta in the past out of Arizona. The Marlins clearly have a good relationship with trading with the Diamondbacks. They just did right. it. But that's the kind of player that I would see as a possibility. Uh, Cole Calhoun, the, the Angels have, have yet to decide what they're going to do with him, if they're going to pick up his option or not. But he had 32 home runs last year, was a career year. If they don't pick up his option, would that be a player that Miami would sign to a one-year, five, six million, seven million dollar deal? But if you'll notice, that's the kind of money that I see being floated around. Uh, I don't know that they will replace essentially the 25 million that's coming off the books or 30 million with Castro and Prado. But right. I would assure most people, I've been assured, excuse me, by most people that the Marlins are going to be spending money and not the, the with no disrespect to Neil Walker or Curtis Granderson, but not that kind of money, not the one year, two million, one year non-roster, one million, two million. We're talking about millions of dollars being spent. And I know that there are cynical people out there, both as fans and even in the media who have told me, Craig, I think you're crazy. They're not going to spend any money. You're going to see, well, look, we'll, we'll, I will be the first one to tell you if they don't do the right thing and they don't spend that kind of money, they owe it to the fan base to put a more competitive product out there. And I think that it's completely unacceptable to win less than 60 games again next right. year. That, that, right. that's got, there's got to be a significant jump in improvement in wins. It doesn't have to be 80, but I cannot sit through another 57-win season, and I, I don't think that we should have to. So no. we'll see what happens in the offseason. I will be at the winter meetings, so that will be the time, hopefully, that we'll get some information. But if it's anything like last year, as most people will know, we accomplished nothing. We, we had probably five or six podcasts during the winter meetings in which we ultimately accomplished nothing. Uh, I, I think our best podcast was talking to Brian Holiday about fantasy. It was. It was great. That was a great podcast. Uh, I will say, you know, in terms of spending with the Marlins, I, I, there's this fine line between wanting the Marlins to go out and spend all the money that comes off the books and then also wanting your franchise, if you are a Marlins fan listening to this podcast, to also spend responsibly. You know, now is not necessarily um, the time that the Marlins are going to go out and give that gigantic contract um, as they are not necessarily uh, in the position to give a giant contract and then immediately compete. Um, right. as, as we know, they are still a couple of steps away. And so to be able to get, like you just mentioned, those, you know, six, seven, eight million dollar contracts and guys that are going to help make this team uh, more competitive, more competitive. Uh, yes. Yeah. More competitive. Um, so they're at least competing toward the end of the year in a way that was different than this season. That's important. Um, and so finding that fine line between your expectations will be interesting this off season with the Marlins. Um, any final news and notes before, uh, we head off of this podcast and, and meet up with everybody once again in a couple of weeks. Yeah. And, and, and I think that next week we'll, we'll get some answers to the Marlins uh, searches, how they decided to construct their coaching staff for next year. And then I know that work never stops with organizations, but I think what people do have to understand is the hot stove season will open up. What we've seen over the last couple of years is a very cold hot stove and none of the big moves were made until February, but there will be little things I think here and there before we get to those winter meetings in December, it feels like the jumping off point, for the hot stove is in December. So with respect to the Marlins, I would not expect a ton of huge pieces of news, but we certainly will continue to do the podcast and provide you with the best and most uh, accurate inside information on as much as possible. And mm -hmm. uh, I'm certainly around the league, keeping an eye on a couple of other managerial positions that I think that some people will be surprised about. If you follow me on Twitter at Craig Mish, we'll, uh, we'll have some news on that as well. 
coming out a little bit later today, Thursday, or even on Friday. So stay tuned for that. And I'll be looking forward, Jeremy, to catching up with you maybe next week at Marlins Park to, uh, to go over what they decided to do and how they decided to do it. But in terms of the offseason, what has happened so far as we close out the month of October, from a Marlins perspective, yeah, I call it fairly. I call it how it is. I've, I think that everything that they've done is pointing up in terms of the arrow. Everything has been in the right direction. Uh, with, the, with the hiring of Rousen, with the signing of Mel Stottlemyre, bringing back Don Mattingly, which I'm fine with as well. Um, they're also one other thing I should mention, I'm glad that I, I remember this, uh, mm. that they have to make one more key 40-man decision mm. uh, before they, I think, and I'm not exactly sure the exact names, but I know that the name that they're fighting with deciding whether to keep on the 40-man or not is uh, Will Stewart, who they acquired mm. in the trade uh, with JT Realmuto. I'm not sure that they're going to keep him on the 40-man or not, but that is the name that I, that I think that we'll have to keep an eye on to see because if they don't keep him, then he would be subject to the Rule 5 draft, and what we would have to ask ourselves is, will Will Stewart be picked at the Rule 5 draft? I don't know the mm. answer to that, but uh, glad I remember that at the end. Yeah. So yeah, we'll be, back. we'll be back either next week or the next week after that and keep you in touch with everything that's going on with the Marlins. Again, overwhelmingly positive, I think, for the most part. Right. All the things that I mentioned, the only negative to me is just a, a shame that Brian Holiday... Uh, won't be back with the Marlins next year. That's the only thing that I, I, I think they, they should have rethought that one and figured out a way to bring him back because uh, 30 teams in the big leagues, I can't think of a, uh, a team in Major League Baseball that has less catching depth right now than the Miami right. Marlins and all of Major League Baseball. I, I mean, hopefully Alfaro will, will carry that load, but if you don't believe what I'm saying, start taking a look right now. Go Google the Marlins uh, depth yeah. and catcher yeah. in their organization yikes real thin so hopefully wallach will be okay someone will play there but uh, overall jeremy been a great uh, day spend the day with you yeah. whatsoever look forward to seeing you next week absolutely and congratulations again to dan jennings jack mckeon and the rest of the washington nationals on a world series victory as always like subscribe rate review this podcast and we'll talk to you guys either next week or the week after that